ओम ज्ञान निरंधस्यानंजनशलाकाय It's a very strong statement Lord Krishna makes here that persons without sufficient faith in Krishna and the process of Krishna consciousness return to repeated birth and death. Repeated birth and death is the normal situation in the material world. Eta Brahmanda Bhari Ananta Jeevagan Chaurasi Lakha Jonite Kariyeva Brahman. In this Brahmanda, the universe, there are unlimited jivas. Each and every one of them is transmigrating within 8,400,000 species. So it is normal for the conditioned soul to transmigrate from body to body in this material world. Often in preaching Krishna conscious or practically to everyone who we meet the the basic condition that we point out is that this material world is full of suffering and the unavoidable examples which no one can argue with are birth death old age and disease this is certainly suffering we never hear of a, a joyful death or a blissful sickness <laughs> these things are suffering but when we point it out people say well that's normal that's natural but from bhagavad gita we get information that this is neither normal nor natural it may seem normal and natural because we don't have knowledge of our real existence but that death is not joyful that it is fearful and painful suggests that it is natural for the jiva not to die the very word jiva which you also have in your language suggests that he should be alive not dead in bhagavad gita lord krishna distinguishes between that which is living and that which is not living and that, the, that we are living but that due to identification with the non living namely the body we suffer what appears to be death now there is no material instrument to measure the life of the jiva there are material instruments for measuring many facets of this material existence you can measure weight distance time uh, density gravity magnetic fields you know, electricity light sound blood pressure <laughs> brain waves so many things we can measure so then we start to talk about the soul and people say well why don't you, why don't you demonstrate it you should be able to show by some measurement but actually there's no material means to measure the soul by definition is spirit and is not measurable by material means foolish people think if we can't measure it then it doesn't exist uh, actually there are many subtle things which uh, defy measurement also that that are material the mind is an example emotions are certainly they certainly exist and they're certainly of varying intensities but there's no there's nothing to measure them just like in any developed language there there are various terms for various stages of happiness ranging from satisfaction comfort contentment to bliss ecstasy exaltation but so i mean we can perceive the difference between mere contentment and ecstasy but you can't measure it so how can we uh 
accept the existence of the soul. Some faith is required, even to study the mind. I'm residing in the apartment of our local psychologist devotees. There's so many books on the mind. But we can't, we can't measure the mind in definitive a manner as we can measure the distance from one wall to the other. Because it's more subtle, the soul is even more subtle. But that it exists is to be accepted on faith. Not blind faith, but reasonable faith. In fact, the progress of science has developed on the basis of faith. Because persons had, an, they had some ideas, it, it might be like this, and then they investigated and they found it was like this. Uh, the, the ability to accept the possibility of existence beyond, uh, reality, the existence of realities beyond conventionally accepted paradigms. So in this way, human knowledge has progressed by investigation. And the generally accepted scientific or empiric understanding is that we should be able to understand everything by our investigation. This presumes that within the human mental apparatus is the ability to understand everything. It's a very presumptuous, it's a very bold presumption. Although there's nothing to, there's nothing scientifically to back it up that the human mental apparatus should be able to understand everything in existence. So that by investigation, uh, by an hypothesis and theoreticizing, we should be able to understand everything. All these uh, subjects have been elaborately examined in Vedic philosophy, in which, in philosophy, the first subject is, well, it depends which way you approach it, but generally epistemology. Actually, even before that comes linguistics, but generally. So, Vedic epistemology recognizes three limits of understanding. Three limits. Trividhasima. Space, time, and thought. We are limited by space. In cosmic terms, our running around on this earth planet as human beings is like ants running around on a dish. And just as ants running on a dish cannot hear, cannot understand what's going on in the next room, it's, 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 or, or half, a, half a kilometer away. So our, abil our ability to understand that which is beyond our... Uh, mental, cognitive, mental and cognitive faculties is limited. That which is beyond our to mental to and cognitive faculties, our sensual faculties, is limited. Sorry, I've been working on my Bhaktisiddhanta and Antipos. It doesn't come out so easily, so simply. I don't have so much practice on you know, these these days. Yeah. yeah. Actually, maybe simultaneously I can translate you know, next time. But anyway. Okay, I'm let's go on now. Um. So, uh, macro macrocosmically, our ability to understand is limited. <laughs> just to make it more simple. <laughs> <laughs> and microcosmically also, we're limited by space. Means, what do you see when you look at your hand? Well, most people see four fingers and a thumb. I mean, most people have four fingers and a thumb. <laughs> but uh, according to science, there, there, there are so many atoms and molecules and 
electrons, or according to quantum theory, a bunch of waves floating around in there. And each atom is like a universe, but we can't see it's too small. So space, time, we are limited by time. We are sitting here in a room in the glorious town of Osiak. So, what was going on at this spot precisely 300 years previously is not possible to say. Even for the greatest scholar, scientist or researcher, we can say in a general way what was going on. Some jivas in some bodies were eating, sleeping, mating and defending. <laughs> that is the general situation of the material world. But we are limited by time. And we are limited by thought. There, there may be so many things in existence which we cannot even imagine. Or even if it's explained to us, we can't understand because we just can't grasp it. If we could try to, ex we could try to explain the, the working of some machine to, to jungle dwellers who have never seen anything even resembling a machine. Their, their craftsmanship or their technology extends as far as spears or maybe crude bows and arrows. So if you try to explain to them a computer which has word processing programs with templates. And so it's just, you know, all they know is uh, chasing after animals and throwing spears in them. And even, even the concept of written language or that there is such a thing as a language. There are so many different tribes, they didn't even have names for themselves, they just called, they were just people. That's all. Someone else came and gave them a name, they didn't have a name for themselves. So, uh, we're limited. Our, our thought, our, our ability to, uh, to think, to conceptualize, is limited by our experiences. During the 19th, 18th and 19th century, well, even before, different explorers went from Europe to discover different continents. Discover means from the European point of view, although other people were living there, but they call it discovering because only Europeans are real human beings, I suppose. So, some explorers came back from Africa and they said, it's very hot there. Came back to England and there are extraordinary animals. There's an animal called a rhinoceros, which is like a giant pig with a horn. <laughs> And even if you shoot it, then the bullet just bounces off. <laughs> and there's a giraffe which has a huge long neck which reaches up to the, and eats the leaves from the very high trees. Well, what happened to that person that went with you? Well, he was just walking along and a snake dropped out of a tree and, and crushed him to death and ate him. Boa. It's like that. Boa. Boa constrictor. Boa. So in England, you hardly see snakes. I only ever saw one in my all the 18 years or so I lived in England. And, and it's this long. But it's dangerous. So uh, when people came back from Africa to merry England with all these stories, then they told all these stories and people said, well, it's very hot in Africa, you know. It must have affected their brains, they've become crazy and they're having all these visions of all these funny animals which cannot exist. You know, we live in England and here we have chickens and pigs and goats and cows and dogs and cats. So, what's this? Giraffe, rhinoceros, cannot exist. 
beyond their ability to conceptualize. So eventually, eventually uh, they came to accept through photos and more people going. They came to exist, and they even put it in their biology books. And now they accept it as true because it is sensually perceivable or more simply visible. And they don't believe in blind faith. We can believe something if we see it or if it can be scientifically proved. Now here Krishna is talking about faith. As soon as we say the word faith, then all the scientists run out the door. In fact, they never come in this kind of door in the first place. Although uh, their discipline, to a large extent, depends on faith also. It's not that every scientist has gone through every experiment and personally verified that all the all statements made are true. And some of the things they teach as fact are, are just blind faith, actually. Just like uh, evolutionary theory, Big Bang theory. I mean, they put a lot of big scientific words but to back it up. But if you see the basis of it, there's actually nothing there. They'll bring out pages and pages of mathematical theorems which supposedly support Big Bang Theory. But uh, it's based on the assumption that that everything they have, everything they have ascertained about the universe is perfect and complete and therefore they can they can go back in time and calculate what happened billions of years ago, which is ridiculous. So if you take away all the mathematical formulae and see what they're actually saying, you can understand how ridiculous it is. Originally there was nothing, they say. Nothing means absolutely nothing, no matter, which means there was no time either, because time depends on matter. In this material world, time depends on matter. Then all of a sudden, well, there wasn't, it wasn't all of a sudden because there was no time, but... Anyway, there was something which happened to be of practically unlimited mass in a practically unlimited, infinitesimally, infinite mass in an infinitesimally small point. And then it exploded. (laughs) And here we are all today, scientifically. And they have mathematical formulae to prove it, although all the scientists argue over it. Anyway, it just goes to show how... uh, there's, there's faith in science also. A lot of it is blind also. And practically, we, we are all living on faith. I suppose you all ate today. You're not fasting. You all took some food, isn't it? So, you're lucky to be alive because it's possible someone could have poisoned the food you were eating. When you eat, you eat with the faith that the food is nourishing you and not poisoning you. When you walk, you have faith that the when you put your foot down on the next place that the earth will support you and not collapse. Now we may say, well, that's why do you need faith? But it is faith. It's reasonable faith, we could say, because in our experience, almost all the food we've had isn't severely poisonous. And in almost all cases, when we put our foot down on a pavement, it supports us, although very rarely there may be a case where the, it collapses or... It's it's something that we we weren't sure what it is and it breaks or something like that. But still it's faith. When we buy a bus ticket, we have faith that the the bus will run and we give money or with a credit card or whatever, we just get a piece of paper in return. And we have faith that that piece of paper is 
worth trading in for the money because the, the company will take us from Osiak to Zagreb or whatever. So practically everything we do is based on faith. Now here Krishna is asking us to extend our faith beyond the ordinary, to, to extend our faith, beyond the ordinary to the extraordinary. So I have the two terms also, similar terms. That there is ordinary suggests that there should also be the extraordinary. Every word is understood in relation to uh, another term which differentiates it. Right, left, hot, cold, up, down. Ordinary, extraordinary. So what is extraordinary? Extraordinary means that should be something uh, fully beyond our experience. And if we say that, just like we started off by saying that death, people say death is normal. And what is that's ordinary? Then what is extraordinary? No death. But we've never seen such a situation. Does that mean it doesn't exist? That we have the desire to live suggests that we are living beings. By nature we are living beings. We are not simply complex biomolecular organisms. It's, uh, you know, we, go, we, see a, we see some movie and someone is about to stab someone in the heart and the actor who's, about, who's taking the role of someone about to get stabbed goes, and we identify with that, and we also go, Ooh! <laughs> Ooh, not ah. Or maybe in Croatian, it's, maybe in Croatian it's, uh, people say ah. When they're, when they're to so if we see so that, that someone has some bottle of chemicals, and he's about to throw it on the ground, horror movie. <laughs> big vampire with fangs picks up a bottle of sulfuric acid and throws it on the ground and it goes ah! <laughs> ah terrible I feel so emotionally disturbed there's no emotional disturbance for the bottle of sulfuric acid so if it's only chemicals then why get disturbed someone goes to court you are accused of murder you stabbed someone 20 times and he died you are sentenced to death. You have a death sentence in this country? Probably not. In Europe, Europe they don't do that. Maybe in Russia. We're <laughs> um, and then, And then someone else comes and says, you are sentenced for throwing some chemicals in the street and smashing all the bottles of chemicals. So you're given a fine of a hundred kunas, a thousand kunas. So you may say, well, you know, why don't we swap the sentences? I mean, I, all I did was, there were some chemicals inside the body, and I made an arrangement by which they could come out. <laughs> and it's all just chemicals anyway. So if someone throws some chemicals in the street, what's the difference? And what is the meaning of anything anyway, if everything is just chemical interaction? If everything is only chemical interactions, then there shouldn't be any laws anyway. It's, that immediately suggests there is a higher principle simply than chemical interaction. People are very dull-headed, probably took too many chemicals or something. They cannot appreciate that they're beyond this material existence, there is spiritual existence. 
which is not perceivable by material means. But that is the actual reality, which is the object of our deepest desires. But with material, in material consciousness and through material senses, that cannot be perceived or understood. But if we say this, then people will immediately say, well then, you know, it's, it's totally non-perceivable. They presume that material intelligence and perception is the only intelligence and perception that there is. But Krishna is leading us through the channel of faith to awaken our spiritual perception and intelligence. Some faith is required to enter into that. In any discipline of learning, faith is required. When one is first introduced to calculus, did anyone study calculus? It's when you have this sign. Anyway, there's it's higher mathematics. Just say higher mathematics. When you first when you first see it, then you just see a bunch of symbols, and it doesn't mean anything. It could have a to, to you. It has as much meaning as uh, if some children threw some paint on. On the on a canvas, it's just it. it but you have faith that, that 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 there is meaning to this, and that even though you don't understand anything at all about it, the teacher understands and can help you to understand also. And with that initial faith, you're ready to hear from and learn and be trained to understand. So faith in spiritual life means faith that that there is more to existence than simply this material existence. Material existence is based on trying to gratify the material senses, but it is unsatisfying. There's a lot of struggle with very little return. And, uh, and at the end, it simply ends in death. So if this is all in all, then why this desire to be happy? Where has that come from? What is its meaning? Is there no actual uh, possibility of satisfying that desire to be happy? We desire to be fully happy eternally, but instead we are struggling all the time, knowing that, uh, struggling all the time, and sometimes we get a little relief from the struggle and we feel this is very nice. But we know that however much we struggle, and however much we get facilities for sensual happiness, we have to die. The material life is petty. People consider their life successful if they can have a BMW car. BMW. In English, it's German. I don't know what it is, but in English it translates into big money wasted. <laughs> The people like they like to have BMW because it shows I have big money to waste. I'm a big shot, which is childish, like a little child. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. And people spend their whole life trying to be better than others in every way. If someone in the next apartment buys a, a bigger and better TV, then people become become disturbed. If yeah, people don't like to associate with others who are from a lower group. Trivial, trivial way of thinking. You were, I, I, think it was, I think it was you who was telling me once you were doing Harinama in, in, in people in the summer on the coast and people were chastising you. Why are you doing? You say, what's wrong? What did we do wrong? Because the day before Croatia had lost some 
football game. Croatia had lost what? Croatia had lost 11 men. Yeah. When I arrived in when I arrived in Vilnius, there were some football fans from Liverpool Football Club on the same plane. So they told me, "We won the European Cup." We? I mean, you? We? What's what's your actual connection? With? Just because they identify themselves, but they have no actual connection with with a bunch of eleven men running around <laughs> chasing after a ball like like children. So people take this very seriously. It's like a day of national mourning, the day after Croatia lost the football. What they call the Croatian national team, although what is Croatia and what is a football team anyway? People take very seriously things of of no actual import. So is this everything? In it? Is this all of reality? Simply to become grown-up infants, born in ignorance, live in ignorance, and die in ignorance. Krishna is giving us knowledge of the world beyond this very limited way of understanding. That can be approached by faith. Reasonable faith, not unreasonable. It is not unreasonable to accept that beyond this pettiness there is a world of actual import. That beyond this world of death there is a world of life. That beyond this world of frustration there is a world of uh, full satisfaction. Beyond this world of pain there is a world of genuine happiness. Beyond this world of uh, hypocrisy, cheating and exploitation there is a world of genuine love. We can begin to perceive that world even in our present situation. It is not simply, Krishna says, I'm telling you and therefore you believe it. But as he's explained in the verse previous to this, that one can actually perceive this by practicing. Pratyaksha by direct experience, one, one can perceive this reality. One can, even in this plane of existence, one can begin to transcend it and begin to experience a, a happiness of a completely different quality to that of uh, material existence. So that faith is not blind faith. It is not based on anything materially quantifiable, but it is, uh, ex it is experiential and it is uh, presented, as Krishna will later explain, uh, Rishabhya, what is that? Chand what is that? Rishabhya, Chandabhya, that's a point. Brahma Sutra Padayashtraiva, Hetu Madhya Vinishtrisa. That it is explained with all reasoning, as explained by all previous professors of transcendental science, according to uh, the standard books of knowledge. So we can go on. Faith is in the beginning. That faith uh, gradually, by practice of Krishna consciousness, develops into experience. Ado shadha tata sadhu sangha. With faith, we associate with devotees. We see these people have, they, they appear to be on a higher, better platform than I. Let me see what they have, what they've got. Let me interact with them, interrelate with them. Then they describe to us the method by which we can also develop 
beyond the ordinary. That is called bhajana kriya, the method of regulated devotional service. And the result, the, the first result of that is anartha nivriti, getting free from the ordinary qualities of this material world, which, which bind us to this material world. Kam, krod, lo, moha, madha, matsarja. And as we begin to get free from these qualities, then we begin to attain the qualification for perceiving that the extraordinary. So then our faith in this process becomes not just an initial faith that there might be something here, but faith based on the experience that there really is something here. In place of the calm, crowed, low, moha, madha and matsarja that we've been accustomed to, that has tortured us, we now begin to experience the uh, genuine happiness of Krishna consciousness. So from that nishta or determination or solid faith develops ruti or a taste, taste for performing the activities of Krishna consciousness. And we become very attached to that. Tathasatihi. We become. Instead of being attached to the trivial, we become, or the ordinary, we become attached to the extraordinary, extraordinary, who is Krishna. And because Krishna is the reservoir of all loving pleasure, then as we go on further and further, we begin to experience actual ecstasy in Krishna consciousness called bhava. Yeah, that, uh, because, sorry, sorry, because... We're attached to Krishna, who is the reservoir of loving exchanges. Then that attachment to Krishna becomes the source of uh, ecstatic exchanges called bhava, and this this matures into prem or full love of Krishna. Everything begins with initial faith. That faith develops and becomes solidified by hearing about Krishna associating with his devotees, chanting his holy names, being engaged in his service in various ways. This hearing process is very important. To slacken our faith in that which should not be believed, namely the prospect of material happiness, and to increase our faith in the reality of Krishna. Hare Krishna. Is there any question about this? Faith, one who has got faith, he has got the initial qualification to take to Krishna consciousness. And faith has to be maintained, otherwise one may take to it, with, uh, but, but due to not having very strong faith, may be deviated at any time. Anyone like to ask anything about this? Many times I catch myself. Uh, I perform devotional service and everything and then uh, sometimes I have some you know like I remember oh Krishna is person you know <laughs> <laughs> like then, then I'm shocked you know? oh how great but um, how to um, increase this faith and, and this awareness you know that will be opposite that only sometimes I will forget <laughs> <laughs> not that by hearing about Krishna, we hear how he is a person, 
He is not simply a philosophical principle. And by praying to Him, praying means personal exchange, by consciously offering all our activities to Him, uh, by serving Him, especially in the form of the deity, we can, bring some, we can pray to Him, bring some fruit, uh, bring some sugar, whatever. That's the common system that oh, this standard says when one comes to the temple then he brings something to offer to the deity, place it in front of the deity, some vegetable, fruit, sugar, incense, flour, money, maybe one flower, maybe a hundred thousand dollars, whatever it is, we should offer something. Especially those who are householders, they should bring something to offer. Those who are living full time in the household of the Lord, in his temple, they should as his household servants, they should consciously offer their every activity. In this way, we can gradually uh, experience Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, present in our lives. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, 